War, aliens, government corruption, and transgenderism. And Trump. No. No. He's not part of the picture. He's not. Well, he may not be. I mean, <clears throat> is he seriously going to be in prison, like, this time next year or something? Uh, they've, what, what happened, what was new this week? You talked about it like three weeks in a row, but last week they arraigned him? Or were they, was that a new indictment? New indictment, yeah. A new indictment. Government issued indictment. in Florida this time. The Justice Department. Different from the last one, where that woman, yeah, whatever her name is. From had a claim on him that dated back to the nineties. This is about this latest one is about the the files he should not take home. The files took the files home, and the raid. And he didn't know. More importantly, he didn't give them back. <clears throat> and then they raided Mar-a-Lago last August. Yes. So he's now been indicted. It's not so much um, they took them home, but that he didn't give them back, and supposedly he tried to hide them. And that's s- the big and thing. Sell them to Russia, or yeah. Whatever's impl- implied. Well, not it was very dangerous for national security. That he could have done stuff. He apparently talked to some people about them in in, in Mar-a-Lago, but that's obvious. Uh, I mean, technically, the law. Again, the main thing people are focusing on here is the law isn't applied equally. Uh, you can dig up the law basically and and find out that you know and make the case that what he did. Um, Specifically, not in taking them home, because pretty much every president has taken home, you know, top secret or declassified whatever documents. Yeah. Uh, it's the right to do so, or taking them out of the White House after they left. Um, supposedly, it's that he tried to obfuscate when he when he was asked to return them. Why he was asked to return them, I don't know. Um, it doesn't really make any sense. Of course, you can, you can find laws, whatever, that... Claim that uh, that he has infringed those laws and therefore he should be uh, put on trial. But again, you go to, back to Hillary Clinton and you go back to Obama or several other presidents and uh, who were in a similar situation. Let's say I could have been, you know, accused of being uh, doing the same thing, uh, but weren't. So it's I mean, really, at this point, I don't care. I mean, if everybody knows that Trump, you know, everybody who thinks who doesn't like Trump thinks that he's. Uh, Evil wannabe dictator, and therefore, any means necessary, fair or foul, are justified in in in, in attacking him and taking him down, and preventing him from becoming president again. Right? If people would just be open about that, I would be okay. It'd be like, listen, you're applying the law selectively. Admit it. This is a political witch hunt. Admit it. You may feel you're justified in doing that. In the same way, for example, uh, it would have been justified, let's say, to do the same thing to Hitler. In the 1930s, right? right. No one would have but that, yeah, complained that's, that's about what they cite. bending the law or, you know, applying the law selectively to Hitler, that kind of stuff. But I wish they would all just be, be open about it, you know, rather than try and make the case that Trump actually, officially, by all standards, is guilty of some of some criminal activity here, and, and therefore it's all above board. And, you know, they deny the reality of the fact that there's a political witch hunt. I'm happy, I'm fine if people want to call, if people want to do a political witch hunt because they don't like him, because I'm, I'm past the law being representative or applied equally in all cases. I'm, I'm long past that, right? I realize that these days there's not really a, a working justice system, especially at this level of... Of, of, of political intrigue and stuff, you know, a high level of political intrigue. So, fine, but just be honest about it. Don't try and bullshit me with some some nonsense that it's all fair and um, above board. It's not, obviously. It's a political witch hunt. But go ahead, do it. Yeah. 
we're talking here about the the favorite to win in an, <laughs> an election yeah. against the incumbent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone knows, though. Everyone knows. It's funny that you know you you want them to just the media. When I say they, I mean the media and politics break, and stuff. Break the fourth wall and put the narrative down, and everyone just talk about it honestly. The thing is, everyone in the in the privacy of their in group does so. We yeah. know they do. We know they do. In twenty twenty, when the it's kind of uh, recordings of Zoom meetings came out, showing that big media people, reporters, mm. media owners. We're having Zoom meetings with activists about how to uh, manipulate information in the run-up to yeah. 2020, which obviously included the Hunter Biden laptop, and not only, on all issues. In their meetings amongst themselves, they understood very well that, in fact, we're likely conspiring here against the people's favorite, <coughs> who would ordinarily win. But and we have to do... We're engaging, in the interest of democracy. We're engaging in censorship. In the interest of democracy, we're engaging in censorship. Because the people can vote. One of them actually said it this way. The, the, the people can vote the wrong way sometimes. And we can't let that happen. Yeah. In the interest of democracy, we're engaging in censorship and covering up truthful information and, and peddling lies in the interest of democracy. That's democracy. That's, I mean, they're open. The, the whole Twitter files thing and, and stuff that's come out since that about you know um, the CIA and Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, make it clear that these people have a very vague, loose definition of what democracy means and what um, truth and justice mean. It's all very relative and selective in any given situation. Uh, my problem with them is that they're not honest about that. They're not open open about that. Which, again, I can understand that as well, that they don't want to be open about the fact that they're lying. But I wish they would be, because, like you said, everybody knows that they're lying. It's pretty clear. Anybody who has any sense knows that they're lying. They know that they're lying. They or on record as having admitted that they're lying. But apparently still you're not allowed to say that, or they won't say that in the, in the mainstream media. It's just a bit frustrating, you know. But, again, if everybody knows, or everybody has any sense knows that anyway, then it's an open secret, right? Mm. The media tries to pass off this kind of, like, this narrative uh, of, of everything being cool and yeah. honest and above board. Yeah. But everybody knows that's not the case, so why do you, why do you even bother? You know, why, do you, why do you try well, anymore? Unfortunately, the... the it's not just the media. It's now, up till now, it's been trialed by media. Well, with the exception, of course, of the, the, the investigation by Robert, what's his name? Mueller. Um, which was, a, in the US, as kind of a semi-legal mm. investigation of a, an official or an organization, you know, and it, resu- it results in a, it has the power to subpoena, to, uh, and for it to get testimony from people and so on, and it can come up with recommendations. Mm-hmm. Actually, it resulted in some real criminal uh, implications, like, um, what was his name? His lawyer got in trouble as a result of that. Um, Aaron Carter, mm-hmm. um, Paul, the lobbyist guy, Manafort. Manafort. Yeah. So it had some real-world, tangible, criminal uh, teeth to it. This is a bit different, though. This is... This is Trump as a civilian now. And, you know, they're kind of spinning this as well. Okay, yeah, it may be unfair, but now that it's, if it's unfair, well, the wheels of justice turn slowly, but they will turn and they will exonerate him at the end of the process. <laughs> so, for example, here's them, NPR's, look what they use as an image to go with their headline announcing that Trump had been a 
quote, arraigned on 37 charges mm-hmm. in Miami last week. So it, this is an example of it. There's not a photo of it because the due process of actual criminal investigations are yeah. that you can't show anything from inside the courtroom. That's to, you know, make sure it's impartial yep. and there's no bias coming in on the jury, blah, blah, blah. All the official accoutrements and processes of a due, normal due process are now in place. And Trump can't just – he'd have to raise an army to have the police not come and get him to pull him into the process. He can't just walk away from the process. He's going to be ground through it, mm. you know? And this is the beginning of it where they do sketches. Mm-hmm. And sketches, of course, because people associate it with the investigation of it a crime, therefore possibly a criminal, sketches immediately puts in people's minds, oh, yeah, yeah. he's a criminal now, yeah, or at yeah. least he's, he's untouchable at the moment as a criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, none of the psychology is going to work on his supporters who have no. been able to see through this since 2016 and before, but still... Yeah, um, it's about getting the process started, regardless yeah. of where it goes. That's the whole point, is get the process started, get someone indicted. It's like you know, smearing someone, essentially. And it's been smears all the way with Trump, right, or, or against Trump since since 2016. Um, that's how they operate. So it's pretty pretty pathetic, yeah. Now, um, do, does anyone who's behind this, like who has influence, do they know what they're doing? I mean, do this? What, what, I wonder, do, do they know they're creating a massive foobar for the election, um, or do they want that, or something like you know? I'm I'm obviously jumping ahead here, but so. Here's a Washington Post reflecting on it. I think it's an op-ed, so this isn't, you know, reporting the facts, ma'am. Um, I have to get this from elsewhere because of a paywall, but I want people to see this. Um, Washington Post, June 17th, yesterday. It's an analysis piece by three of their reporters. Headline, Trump's indictment plus candidacy could endanger democracy and the rule of law. And I know... Of, that's them, mm-hmm. the pot calling the kettle black, etc. But the article is at least semi-cognizant of the dangers of putting Trump up as a criminal mm-hmm. and or ruling him out of the race. So mm-hmm. if you scroll down and read the first few paragraphs... Um, America's institutions have been attacked repeatedly over the past half dozen years, thanks principally to the conduct and actions of Donald Trump. Actually, no, we know it's bullshit. It's thanks principally to the conduct and actions of the CIA. Um, The next 18 months could further undermine confidence in democracy and the rule of law. You see, they're right. They're right in their... That's an objective process that is going to happen as a result of this. Mm -hmm. They're cognizant of this. As the former president seeks to return to the White House while defending himself against federal and state criminal charges. And they compare it historically with other epochs, not since the Vietnam War in the 60s or perhaps the mid-19th century. Before the Civil War, has the country's governing structure faced such disunity and peril? They know this is so polarizing. They, you know, what they're doing. Um, Given the unprecedented nature of a federal criminal indictment of a former president, compounded by the fact that Trump has been charged by the Justice Department in the administration of the Democrat who defeated him in 2020. <laughs> I mean, they know, right? This this looks really bad on paper. Biden is knocking out his main opponent, mm-hmm. right? Um, and who is his like this general general election uh, opponent in 2024? Uh, yeah. Scholars, legal experts, and political strategists agree that what lies ahead is ugly and unpredictable. Like, no shit, Sherlock. The question is, are you willfully bringing about 
Or am I thinking ahead too much? And for well, them, it's just purely like, well, it's, get it's, Trump. It's yellow journalism. It's despicable, scurrilous yellow journalism, which most of the mainstream media engage in, which is they actually create a situation. They, they have all, all of the, particularly the leftist media, have all conspired over the past seven years to create this situation where Trump is being indicted in the run-up to an election. Um, and now they're doing objective analyses of it. it ha- yes, this might be a problem here. You know what I mean? It's like someone who comes in and like uh, burns down your house and then, and then reports on it and says, yes, this tragedy happened in this house. Uh, uh, what are the implications? And the poor family and this and that and the other. And what does this mean for the neighbourhood, et cetera, et cetera. When they're the ones who contributed to setting the fire in the house. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just disgusting, like the, 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 the lack of integrity <clears throat> in, in the media and, and the conscience these people have, like they all contributed to it. They're, in fact, they were the prime, not the prime, but they were certainly the, the ones who uh, catapulted the propaganda, let's say, um, that was, you know, created and manufactured by the, the Washington establishment, the Democrats, that kind of stuff, the anti-Trumpers in, in D.C. Uh, and then the media just spread it far and wide and told everybody and tried to convince as many people as possible that all of the things, that all of the lies that they were spreading about Trump, Russiagate, all that kind of stuff, uh, were true over the past seven years. And now, as a result of that, Trump is, this is just a follow-on from it, it's not directly related to Russiagate, but it's all of a piece in a certain sense. And it's, these are trumped-up charges, uh, objectively. Um, it looks really bad. And the media is saying, oh, yeah, they're doing a bit of hand-wringing and a bit of pearl-clutching, what are we going to do about this? When they are directly responsible uh, as parties to creating the situation. But they lament it. Go fuck yourselves. I mean, really, like, I mean, I have yeah. no time for those people at all. Like, I mean, who, who would? How could you have any time for someone like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's... Yeah. And yeah I mean... <laughs> historical comparisons. Well, late Rome went from Republic to Empire. When... in. In fact, it was practically empire, imper, imperial long before that, mm-hmm. but it formally kind of made that shift. You know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's what they are they preparing the ground for? Look, the old democracy thing. You've seen, you've you seen the anymore. dangers it creates. We need, well, to, we need to safeguard. We need to make the world safe. You know, safety, safety after COVID. Make it safe from democracy. Yeah, we're going to protect by democracy. By well, one of the, like one of the, I don't know how they would spin it, but... <laughs> I think Tucker Carlson said this on one of his recent Twitter yeah. things that, he, that he's doing now. Uh, he basically made that point that, uh, you know, specifically the point of that was in that article of uh, a sitting president, you know, overseeing, let's say, or being part of a, a, an administration that is prosecuting his primary, uh, his main opponent in the upcoming elections. That's what happens in, in dictatorships. That's what happens in... You know, pseudo democracies that are actually dictatorships—they uh, basically either directly or indirectly imprison their opposition. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Is America a dictatorship? Yeah, America's always been a dictatorship. Well, not always, but for a long time, it's been a dictatorship uh, run effectively by the intel intel um, intel organizations. The ones who have six ways from Sunday, as Chuck Schumer said, six ways from Sunday from for, <laughs> to to get back at you if you piss them off. And, then, and they were, he was talking there about a president. So the president is the commander-in-chief of America, right? He's the supreme decider, the decider-in-chief. He makes all the decisions, right? Okay, there's Congress, whatever, but ultimately he's the head of... He's the, he's the head of the military and he's the top guy in the country. But um, 
Intel agencies, apparently, according to Chuck Schumer, and it's an open secret and has been for a long time in Washington, D.C., it doesn't matter who you are, including the president, if you piss off the intel agencies, they're the ones who call the shots, and they're the ones who can and will take you down, if necessary. By definition, America is run by unelected intelligence officials. Is that a dictatorship? Yeah, pretty much, right? If the person, if there's no democratic representation in terms of the people who actually make the decisions in the country, if they're not elected by the population, they can't be fired, and they're the ones who are making decisions in secret, uh, beyond any oversight, that's a dictatorship, no? Yes. But it's a covert dictatorship. But America's been that way for a long time, so it's like, duh, people need to catch up, you know? Fox News, uh, Fox News fired a producer last week. Mm, because yeah, he, they held him responsible for on the on the Chiron. Do you have it? No, <laughs> I don't know. He allowed that uh, Biden be, be be described as a wannabe dictator. Mm-hmm. Fox has obviously come out very much like. I mean, they fired Tucker Carlson, of course. Mm-hmm. Very much in sync with the regime these days. Someone also did a, a document leak. From Fox, some somewhere within the corporation, to to Matt Walsh, um, showing the kinds of uh, Pride Month internal staff memos they've been getting about mm. you know <clears throat> how to behave. This is the how to enjoy Pride Month. This is the New York Times report on the on the Fox News Caron. Um, this is the actual. Uh, just can you? Oh shit! Pay well. That didn't come for me. Uh, can you re- no, you can't reject it, no. Um, I've got a different one here. Maybe it's ABC will do. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I'll see if I can... Th- you have it? There, good job. I haven't seen it, actually. I like that. They see the Chiron underneath it. Wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. <laughs> that's exactly... You, you write... That's the actual factual truth in one soundbite put yeah. up by Fox. Yeah. And Fox made... Fox, probably Murdoch's whoever, somewhere high up, Fires had the, person did. the executive, the producer responsible for whatever show it was, fired. For telling the truth. Everyone knows, you know, you like, you know like say it, it's like the emperor has no clothes, shut up, you're fired. You're damaging our democracy by saying that it's not a democracy, even though it's not a democracy. Yeah, you're damaging our democracy by saying the truth about the lies everyone else should be. Like you were saying to me last night about why they hate Putin. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah. Have you got any, anything more you want to add on? I mean... Uh, this is different, though, than, you know, a sexual harassment claim. That's a civil case. Yeah. That's a civil case. This is... Uh, Federal. They're very happy with this. Yeah, it's weak sauce, but still, it's, they got it sh- ship-shape enough to to make the process begin. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and... He has to turn up in court. He has to defend himself. There'll yeah. be more sketches of him looking sketchy. Um, well, the timing of... of of the actual court case is up to the judge uh, and she's supposedly a Trump appointed judge down in Florida but you know we'll have to wait and see when she actually decides to uh, hear the case you know and how long that'll take um, the timing of it would be obviously instrumental in, in, in if it's going to have an effect on, on Trump's chances next year then the timing of it would be fairly important you know mm. um, 
and it would create yeah, the timing of it can create more or less chaos in the entire system. So uh, it'll be funny, yeah. Um, obviously, Trump Trump's goal is to just ignore it mostly, just go through the process, and hopefully. The, the case doesn't obviously there's an, there would be an appeal and all that kind of stuff if, if it was actually indicted and imprisoned or sent or, you know indicted and given a prison sentence um, he could appeal it and all that kind of stuff but that would be leading up to the election he'd be running possibly as the Republican uh, candidate for president and his goal at that point I suppose would be the, to, to become president to win the election and then he can avoid the uh, he can avoid uh, any any prison time at least for four years because um, he's president so yeah, it's a joke. Like America, just uh, America is. Um, it's there's a lot of jokes going on in the world now at the national level, but America really is stealing the show in terms of the level of. The Washington Post has a a quote from one of their experts, um, Jack Goldsmith, who served in the Justice Department and at the Pentagon during the administration of W. Bush, and is now a professor at Harvard Law School. Mm-hmm. Quote: He's, It seems obvious and clear. Yeah. That it's going to be worse, and probably much worse, yeah. But the form it might take and what that extreme reaction looks like is very hard to predict. Convicted or not, nominee or not, we can assume Trump is going to inflame this to the maximum. And his his supporters will inflame this to the maximum. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like speaking to what they know. And the question is, do they intend it as well? Do they, like... um, they want a they want a reaction. They they want like they they maybe they maybe they seek twenty twenty style riots mm-hmm. from conservatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so only sure. this time it won't be hands off. You know, it'll be like crushing, crushing January. Forget it'll be January sixth in every city. Yeah, I mean the one possibility I suppose is. Can you imagine a situation where Trump is, whatever way it works out, Trump is gets a Republican nomination, runs for president, but before the actual vote, before election day, before voting day, <clears throat> next November, he's indicted in some way or other, either put in prison or disqualified, and as a result, the uh, the election is just given to Biden. Uh, dictator but people write in Trump anyway but it's those ballots are declared invalid because because he's he's not eligible he's declared not eligible eligible legally he's not actually on the ballot be fun no sad fate for America Um, and people just and then yeah of course yeah that's speculating about there the unknown is whether or not people fight back Mm. basically what Jack Goldsmith really just said there was do people actually care whether we're in a democracy or a dictatorship? Because if they don't care, they'll just continue. Or if they do care, mm-hmm. they'll react. Yeah. Uh, on, on the charges against Trump, I mean, if you just throw that up there, that's the BBC. So you go to BBC to try and uh, get their, their assessment of what's going on. And, you know, how Trump, Biden and Clinton secret files cases compare. I think um, got the wrong headline there. Oh, sorry. That's the wrong one. That's, take, that's party Take that one down. Up. Party gets something else. That's just a little, uh, it's actually too many BBC articles here. Um, that one. Um, opening line, four people at the top of the, the very top of the US government. You see, 
at the top of the U.S. government, at the very top of the U.S. government. Beyond by this is This is supposedly the top of the U.S. government. No mention of intelligences and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, <clears throat> Trump, Biden, Clinton, and Pence all, all mishandled classified materials. How do their cases differ? Well, the BBC doesn't really tell you how they differ, except that it says, um, if you just scroll down, um, decided to, uh, or is it like, Mm-mm. Uh, go to who led each investigation. There you go. So, uh, Mr. Trump and Mr. Biden, both of a special counsel, looking into what happened under the Presidential Records Act. White House records are supposed to go to the National Archives once the administration ends. Regulations require such files to be stored securely. Um, Jack Smith, former war crimes prosecutor, brought an indictment against um, Trump. Trump who faced dozens of counts of unauthorized possession, blah, blah. Uh, Trump-appointed prosecutor Robert Hur is looking into the Biden case. The FBI described Mrs. Clinton's actions, which is spreading around 52 classified and 52 email chains, X number of classified, top-secret um, emails just sent on an unsecured email server to whoever. They decided that there was no case and uh, for a reasonable prosecutor to bring against Hillary Clinton and Mr... Pence was told last week by the Justice Department that they are not pursuing charges. <laughs> but we are going to do them against Trump. I mean, and if you look, and we can we'll put the link in the, in the show description, you can read that article and you get nothing. No, and this is supposedly the BBC who, you know, really look into it. And the bottom line is, nothing. Um, if you just go down to why was Trump charged and not Clinton, um, there are 31 counts against the former president of willful retention of national defense information. The, this means the prosecutor's Prosecutors believe he knew that he was that what he was doing was unlawful, and they have recordings of him apparently speaking about that and the testimony of witnesses. It also alleges that he showed some of this material to people without the required security clearances. Of course, Hillary Clinton did that as well. Um, certainly, Hillary Clinton spoke to people. I mean, it's just obviously, uh, you know, selective selective uh, application of the law to different people and. Even the BBC can't discount that, or, or can't you know can't make a case that uh, that this really isn't a political political witch hunt. Um, but there it is, like everybody knows. So you just carry on and whatever, suck it up, whatever. I don't know. What do you do? You can't, you can't say anything about this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you can you can rant on social media if you want and shout about it, but it's not going to change anything. And but the facts are. That is obviously a political witch hunt. I mean, who, how can people not think it's a political witch hunt if they've been paying attention over the past seven years, since 2016, and the treatment of Trump? Again, like I said earlier on, if you really think Trump is like a wannabe dictator or is a Hitler, you know, Biden, the evidence for Biden being that way um, uh, notwithstanding, if you think he's a, a new Hitler, when you, and, people, and people who think that have said so, then admit that you are using illegal means and tactics to take him down because you truly believe that he's a threat to democracy. So just don't try and convince us that this is all above board and Trump actually did something wrong compared to his predecessors. (sighs) Anyway, um, what else? That's enough about Trump. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. That other one, we can just do it quickly. You can put that other... BBC one up, Scotty. Uh, again, 
COVID. Does anybody remember COVID? Remember COVID? Um, so just play that uh, video for the lols. This video of the party has been published by the Sunday Mirror. There's dancing, drinking, Christmas hats and a karaoke machine blinking away in the background. It's happening in Conservative Party headquarters in London and the date is December 2020. Now, at the time, COVID restrictions banned people from socialising indoors, except for with their household or a support bubble. You can see signs on the wall telling people to keep their distance. Now, at one point in the video, somebody suggests it might not be within the rules. No, we do know about this party, and that's because a photo from it was published in 2021. The police investigated and decided not to take any further action. Now, some of the people at the party were working for the then London mayoral candidate, Sean Bailey, who isn't in the video. One of the people, Ben Mallett, was just given an OBE by Boris Johnson in his resignation honours list. An OBE Sean by Bailey Boris Johnson. apologised for the event when the original photo was published. And Willy Willy Thawie. Conservatives say that disciplinary action was taken against four people. So that's what was going on inside. And do you think it's like a conspiracy of, at the top, you know, of, of like only the, the top uh, kind of insiders in, 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 in Western countries or around the world knew that the whole COVID business was overstated and that it was an exercise in a, a trial of kind of authoritarian control of the population. Um, only they <clears throat> knew that and only they were the ones who were like not, they were ignoring all the, all the bullshit propaganda that was spread around people. But it obviously filtered right down to the, the in, in, in politics in, in the party UK, members to party members fairly low level party members having to dance they all knew it was bullshit as well because um, obviously like she, as she mentioned they see those people dancing around sat in very close together doing big group shots you know obviously a half cut you know as in half drunk uh, dancing and slobbering on each other that kind of thing uh, while at the very time when Boris Johnson was coming out as you know as a Conservative Party leader at that time and, and others Michael Gove all telling p- people at home stay at home in your support bubble, only in your, you can have a support bubble, you know, and all the other Orwellian mm. kind of phrase, phrases they used to terrify people. And people, you can imagine, if you remember back to December 20, 2020, I mean, the streets were empty. There was nothing yeah. happening, right? Uh, no parties supposedly were happening. I mean, those of us who had any sense were just completely ignoring it and saw it for what it was. But there were people who were being terrified uh, on a daily basis. Um, around the country and um, while the policymakers were just laughing it up. Again, it paints a pretty pretty horrible picture of the very idea of, or, or, or a horrible picture of the ruling class and, and the people that are in the ruling class and in political parties and also the idea of democracy, of, of you know people being or representative democracy or grassroots democracy of people having a, a, a an influence or a um, a, a part to play in in the formation of policy and the people yeah. being as informed. What's that phrase by some American about an informed population? The greatest, uh, the best uh, kind of like block against tyranny is to have a, more or less to have an informed population. JFK. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about his. And the responsibility, he also spoke about in that speech, the responsibility of public officials right. to set a good example. So, yeah, right. So it was basically the summation of it was that, that the best block against tyranny forming in any democracy or whatever, in any place around the world is to have a well-informed population, a well-educated and well-informed population. Uh, the opposite of that, obviously, is what's been implemented and has been implemented in this example of COVID and 
in many other areas, Trump, Ukraine, everything, is to make sure you have an extremely uninformed or misinformed or disinformed population because that then would, in theory, allow for the creation of the opposite of democracy, which is dictatorship or tyranny, right? That's a reasonable deduction to make. If, if a well-informed population bolsters democracy, a very misinformed and disinformed population would allow for the creation of, of the opposite of democracy. Yeah. And that's what we have today. And that's what, obviously, these people have been doing for many years, have been attempting to create... Uh, as disinformed a population and misinformed a population as possible by spreading lies to them directly from government mouthpieces and also through the media. Yeah. So and also, you can't get into that room <clears throat> and you can't attend that party if... You're not a party member. And specifically, you're not a, ble- a member of the ideology. Imagine if one of them in there goes, guys, you know... <sighs> yeah. We, we may not be scared of this thing, but we're supposed to set an example. Yeah. He or she would be kicked out of the party. Yeah, they'd be at best, yeah. and then they'd be fired. They'd be fired because they're not actually following the ideological party lines. Right, which the is... The internal ones. It's us and them. It's yeah. we, the illuminated ones, and so, the great unwashed below us who we just manipulate yeah. and lie to. And I mean, you know, I take exception to being characterized as... Uh, or finding myself a part of the great unwashed and manipulated population. So I'm not going to be, I'm, I'm going to bathe every day, so I'm not going to be unwashed, and I'm going to inform myself. I'm not going to believe, and certainly I'm not going to believe pretty much anything these people say. I'll study it, I'll study what they say, but in the knowledge of the nature of those people and what their ideology and their intent is, like I just said, which is to keep themselves in the know and everybody else out of the know. Um, so, you know... Yeah, you can try, but and maybe it'll, it'll, it'll have an effect on... It'll work with many people, but you know, there's an increasing number of people who it doesn't work on. People are slowly getting a clue, I think. More and more people are slowly getting a clue, and certainly COVID was a big part of uh, people having their eyes open. They're like, really? But it's amazing the amount of... That investment in the belief, uh, that people have in the belief of, of people in government being well-intentioned and... Uh, trying to do the best thing and we need leaders and all that kind of stuff and they're looking out for us. The, the, the extent of people's investment and belief in that in that idea, it takes a lot of evidence. You'd think that some evidence would just blow that away in most people's heads. You know, just, It would blow it out of the water. They would suddenly have a, a massive awakening. But it seems it takes repeated applications of really hard lessons and hard evidence that... Um, people in positions of power not what they claim to be before people will wake up because it's it's, it's a paradigm shift uh, uh, for that to happen and people they don't know what do you what do you replace it with you know I mean if, if you want me to believe that government officials are all a bunch of self-interest corrupt evil psycho type people whatever just characteristic amoral anyway yeah at the very lot, at least amoral uh, what do I do how do I restructure my whole vision of me and society and how it works it's not that hard I know, but well, for, it is for a lot of people, though, apparently. Because, you know, life goes on. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't need them. Maybe you, the, the realisation that, that you, you just don't actually need you them. Need them. Uh, the circus is still there. Mm. You're just not jumping through their hoops. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, it's, life it's, goes it's, on. There is no catastrophic existential crisis. No. It might feel that way. It, 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 it feels, feels, that, it way, feels that way, and then that's why the, the incipient realisation is thwarted mm. and they repress it and they repress it you know but if they would just allow it it's fine mm-hmm. you know you, you're still you still have 
family members, you still have neighbors, mm-hmm. you it's still a have a job community. if you didn't get in trouble and, you know, start ranting about it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, life goes on. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, segue, I'll just segue into Ukraine here. I mean, um, is this is this even news? I think we've talked about it before, but... Um, well, the counteroffensive is being obliterated. The counteroffensive is... Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Actually, we'll go to uh, let's just go to this one. I just I I kind of summarized. Putin said at this in Petersburg, what's it called? Economic Forum. Yeah, Spief now for short. St. Petersburg Economic Forum. Yeah. Um, uh, yesterday, right? Yesterday, yeah, or it was over a few days uh, leading up to Friday. Um, and this is uh, kind of the main. The main points. Uh, Putin said the Russian Federation will attack F-16s even if they are not located in Ukraine. Hmm. I said the five Patriot complexes were destroyed near Kiev. That's what we talked about a few weeks ago. And we talked about Norwegian 2, maximum 3 destroyed. He says 5. It's hard to know. There's very little video evidence of it other than the, some, apparently one of the Patriot missiles shooting off about 30 because or 35. they're rounding up people who share the videos in right. Ukraine. Uh, and the attacks in the Kremlin and the Belgorod region are attempts to provoke serious retaliatory actions by Russia, which is interesting because that's been going on. Um, that's obviously the, the drones on the Kremlin and then in, in recent weeks, a series of incursions into north north of um, of Ukraine, into southern Russia in the Belgorod region uh, where they've been various so-called militias. They covered up. It's, 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 it's proxy war. It's classic proxy war, right, where they're actually calling them Russian volunteer corps and Polish volunteer corps now, uh, of groups of paramilitary, supposedly, according to the media, uh, groups driving American uh, APCs and other um, you know, military vehicles, also tanks, um, into across the border into these, and, and with artillery and shelling in, in one way or another, attacking uh, towns uh, in the Belgrade region, causing at least one town, uh, what's it called? Um... One town was, don't have it here, um, anyway, I can't remember the name, but um, 40,000 people or so evacuated, and 12, overall about 12 civilians killed. Um, so <clears throat> that's been going on, and that's, yeah, Putin's uh, um, take on it is that these are attempts to provoke, not to just like harass Russian civilians are give a problem for Russia for the Russian military are trying to try and force the Russian military to redeploy, you know, forces from elsewhere in Ukraine to protect this Belgrade region, but rather um, to provoke serious retaliatory Russians, serious retaliatory actions by Russia. So it's a provocation. It's not. It doesn't have any actual in in the standard understand in the in the normal understanding of of military tactics. It's not. It's not to achieve anything or to, like I said, to, to force Russia to redeploy troops. It doesn't have a strategic objective in the normal sense. According to Putin, it has the objective of provoking Russia to do something that it doesn't want to do. Uh, yeah, for the, which, war. Which would probably. be to, supposedly to the benefit of NATO, to the US. Which is interesting. Well, uh, an interesting insight yeah. in the way he thinks about these things as well, you know. Yeah. Um, and he says, during this latest, greatest counteroffensive counter to beat all counteroffensives, uh, Ukraine has already lost more than 600 tanks and armoured vehicles. For 
for perspective, that's 30% of Western-supplied material for this counteroffensive. And, ver- and very soon Ukraine will not be able to fight because it will, ru- it will run out of equipment. That certainly seems to be the case, given how this counteroffensive is going. They're just being like, you know, it's, you know... The, the mobilized, you know, young guys given some NATO training for a few weeks and then thrown into the front in a, in a lap or two tank and then they don't know what to do. And it's just, I mean, well, some of them got six months of training. Yeah, or whatever, whatever light training. But, it, but still, it's, it's a lot of them are like, you know, not veterans or not military veterans. They're just new recruits type thing who are given six months of training and thinking that, you know, six months of training equates to like an effective uh, military unit, even though you've no, no previous experience. Um. Peskov said that as well. Very soon, Ukraine will not be able to fight because it will run out of equipment. Peskov said that's the, the Russian uh, spokes government spokesperson, uh, spokesman said um, that the objective of demilitarization of Ukraine has more or less already been achieved. <clears throat> Putin says the Russian losses to Ukraine, Russian to Ukrainian losses are ten to one, or one to ten, and also that Poland wants to bring Western Ukraine under its control. Duh. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely. Yeah, well, in the same way Russia wants a buffer zone in Ukraine, Poland wants a buffer zone in Ukraine. Uh, previously, Ukraine was the buffer zone uh, before the conflict. Ukraine was the buffer zone for Poland in particular and other, well, Romania, for example. But uh, now that it's gone a bit pear-shaped for them, Poland may find itself in the position that Russia found itself in, you know, leading up to the beginning of the conflict last year where it feels like it needs to go into Ukraine to annex parts of Ukraine to create a buffer zone against Russia which will now be more or less in control of Ukraine. Yeah. <coughs> so, uh, and Moscow can has the choice. They, they will be the arbiter. They will be the decider of whether they allow that to happen. Yeah, it's interesting. Which means it will happen on their terms. Which yeah. means Poland will be a whole different Poland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no well, longer in NATO. Yeah, no longer in EU. It's, it's probably pretty terrifying for Poland in particular. Um, I mean, America doesn't care, as it's never, care, never cared about wars in Europe over the past, you know, 100 years because um, America's far across the ocean and, um, you know, protected against the fallout of that kind of conflict. So America's always been happy to have, to facilitate war on European soil, but Europeans, not so much, um, except to the extent that they've been duped by America or blackmailed by America. But anyway, so it's interesting to think that Poland would find itself, that Russia would actually turn the tables on the original intent and, and the, the the cause of this conflict, which was uh, Ukraine being this kind of neutral country that would serve <clears throat> for Russia as a buffer against NATO expansion. Uh, NATO attempted to remove that and make Ukraine more or less a part of NATO um, to, to threaten Russia. Russia comes in, deals with that situation and then turns the tables where now, and because of this, you know, because of the special military operation and Russia's, you know, turning, turning onto a war footing, basically. One of the questions is, you know, a reasonable question is, does now that Russia's had a year or a year and a half and maybe by the end of it, two years of ongoing military conflict, will there be a bit of a, a taste for more? You know, will they, will they not want to stop? Will they say, well, you know, this, this whole situation since, the, since March 20, 2022 until now, you know, the end of 2023, two years almost, um, been pretty good for our economy, pretty good for the, for the, for the country, socially, uh, politically it's been good. Um, 
but we think we can get more from it, you know. We think there's more to be had, basically. So <laughs> now that we've demilitarized Ukraine and we've occupied a large part of Ukraine, um, you know, how far do we go? Do we take all of Ukraine? Do we go right up to the Polish border? Surely, the, and, and the Poles see that happening. The holy shit, no, we're going to do what Russia did in in response to us threatening them with Ukraine. We're going to get in, go in there and take create that little buffer zone so that at least there's a there's a buffer uh, between Poland, the Polish border, and and Russia controlled territory in Ukraine. You know, and then <clears throat> what? Well, then yeah, all bets are off. I don't know. NATO direct NATO conflict. That's that's where the that's where the whole thing comes to a screeching halt, you know. Essentially, you know, yeah. Russia just comes sliding in, and you know, might put the brakes on. I suppose would put the brakes on at, the, or or Poland would try and put the brakes on on, on Russian expansion. That's weird. Like you know, you talked about NATO expansion. Now yeah. you've got Russian expansion. Basically. Yeah, and, it, and it's their fault. It's a self fulfilling prophecy because the, the Poles have been yammering on about Russian expansionism since forever. Yeah, and they kind of brought it about. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, if Putin listens to Kadyrov or Medvedev, <laughs> Poland's in serious trouble, um, for sure. Because I mean, they talk routinely now about um, mm-hmm. how far they'll go into Poland. Yeah. Just maybe they're trolling them. But um, the comment about F-16s was definitely pointed at Poland. Yeah, for you sure. Know, if these come in to play here, and they're taking off from air bases outside Ukraine, they're going to be hit. Mm-hmm. It's the first time Britain's actually called that bluff. It's kind of been in the background of discussions about F-16s. It's mm-hmm. kind of implied in the use of them. Yeah. He just popped that bubble right there in front of mm-hmm. a room of 500 diplomats and said, yeah, we're going to hit them yeah. if they come in. Yeah, there's something unreal about the whole thing. Um, this one... Um it's just a, a screenshot from Independent. Um, Admiral Sir Tony Radican said it would take five to ten years before the UK did, could deploy the division it wanted to, and that's in reference to replacing the UK's weapon stockpiles that it's basically exhausted by sending them to Ukraine, to the meat grinder, to effectively... It's strange. They've been sending weapons to Ukraine to kill Ukrainians. That's the end result of Western aid to Ukraine, uh, Western military aid to Ukraine, has been primarily for the purpose of killing Ukrainian soldiers, Ukrainian men. Yeah. Anyway, he says it take five to ten years um, for them to replace their stockpiles. Um, so, under, yeah. under the expectation that it would crash the Russian economy, yeah, which is growing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> while while European economies the are happening. while European economies are being deindustrialized, um, the Germans also <laughs> are, are uh, not a good position. This is from New York Times. It's actually quoted by this guy Elbridge Colby, who's like a kind of U.S. think tanker who's all about China these days. He's like, let's do something about China. He's got he's trying to strategize on Twitter about how to uh, how to how to how the U.S. should position itself in Western Europe. Your you know, NATO countries should position themselves against China. Anyway, he he's just referring to a um, a New York Times article, uh, which strangely, if you just click on the New York Times article, just see the headline says it says um, it says Germany adopts a more muscular security plan. Critics call it weak, and then go back to his thing. His his let's go back one to his his comment. It's just a, an excerpt from the from the article. 
<laughs> prefaces it by unreal. He's like, oh my God, I can't believe why they're doing this. And he's not talking, thinking about it in terms of China. But anyway, the quote from the uh, from that supposed muscular um, Germany adopting a more muscular security plan. The the key takeaway phrase is that the coalition, that's the German coalition, government coalition, rejected a request by the German defense minister, Pistorius, to increase his own budget, that's the defense budget, by 10 billion euros to try and make a decent start in rebuilding the German military after giving all the weapons to uh, and having them blown up in Ukraine. Instead, um, they promised, the government promised that the defense uh, budget would not be cut and this is this is a full quote from the New York Times, which in fact means that it's going to be eroded by inflation. So you are taking a cut in your defence budget. So basically, Germany, the Brits have exhausted their weapons. Germans have exhausted their weapons. Other European countries that participated in that have probably to a large extent as well, and none of them really have the means to replace them. Well, I'm sure he might say unreal, but I suspect the the Pentagon wants Germany to remain defanged. Of course, they don't yeah. want a German military. Yeah, of course. Well, that's yeah. part of the reason they blew up Nord Stream, and uh, it's to take, it's to weaken Europe. That's Washington's goal, in all of this has been to weaken Europe. But uh, what are they going to do if Russia, you know, pushes across Ukraine, and, and it's you know, in the or at the point where you know the demilitarization of Ukraine is is reaching reaching its its kind of culmination and. <clears throat> If Russia, you know, does what everybody has been wanting it to do, or expecting it to do from the very beginning, which is you know, just march freely across across Ukraine, if it if it takes a lot of Ukrainian ter- territory, like you're saying, like Medvedev has been urging, uh, uh, urging for you know, let's take Kiev, you know, and, and what about Lvov? Let's go all the way over to the west. If Russia were to do that, what's um, well, you know, in, in that situation, what happens if it goes to that that scenario that people have been afraid of, of direct kind of like conflict between Russia and NATO forces. So you have America in this awesome position of Ukraine's done and dusted. Russia has taken most of it. Poland has carved out an enclave of western Ukraine as a buffer zone. But that puts now Poland and Russian forces directly potentially in, in conflict with each other, which would bring in NATO forces, which would bring in other European forces, with America across the ocean, supplying the weapons, because there's no more weapons in Europe, right? So America supplies all the weaponry and puts Europe into debt, similar to World War II, basically. And then Russia and European countries can have another reenactment of World War II, where they actually go to war with each other, while America sits over the other side of the Atlantic, rubbing its hands and going, Yeah, yeah. totally. There's a notorious quote from then-Senator Harry S. Truman in 1941. Pearl Harbor's happened and the Americans are going hot somewhere, probably against Japan. Um, he, he pipes up in Congress that, you know, well, as for the European war theater, uh, the best thing that can happen is what's happening now. We'll wait and watch to see how many Germans the Russians can kill and then to see how many Russians the Germans can kill and uh, yeah, just wait and see. Mm-hmm. Like it was just pure. It I loved it because it just totally undercut the entire myth about the U.S. and World War Two and Europe and protecting you from Nazis and then suddenly protecting you from communists mm-hmm. like on a dime. Nineteen forty-five. How did that happen? Well, 
none of them. They were both BS. It was just geopolitical interest. You know, mm. we don't care as long as <clears throat> you're both. And it's it's a it's a holdover. It's it's kind of an unspoken principle of how to rule the world by the British Empire. Yeah. You know, the infamous balance of power that they did kind of articulate it a bit in how to dominate the world. Balance of power in Europe was the British Foreign Imperial Office's paramount concern. If we see that the German Empire is getting too strong, we'll build up the French. If we see that the right. Austrian one's getting too strong, we'll yeah. provoke the Serbs and to that, rise up, and, and so on, and so on. Split, split, split. That general thinking prevails today. And, yeah. it's, and it's what's behind, that thinking is what's behind this conflict with Russia today. Yeah. And it's interesting, it's, uh, like it's the Brits, right, and the Americans. The, the Anglo-Saxons, as It's Anglo-Saxons, <laughs> but it's also like, it's also like, it's interesting to think of their, 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 the effect of geography on that, um, on the perception of themselves and Europe. Like, the UK is like 22 miles off the coast of, it's an island, but it's 22 miles off the coast of mainland Europe. But the Brits seem to all, always have had this attitude of, that's Europe. In the same way the Americans have it to a greater extent of Europe way over there, right? But the Brits are quite close, but they still have that attitude, you know, of, like you just mentioned, like they have this attitude of the Brits uh, during the British Empire were going to, you know, kind of pit European countries against, against each other as if, and, and they would be the beneficiaries, as if they're, they're so far removed from it that they're immune to it. Yeah. Which is strange, you know, uh, because you're really not. But it's, it's that geography, that little bit of ocean separating the UK from Europe seems to have that effect. Where they see themselves as separate and apart from, unable to, you know. It's not just geography, because otherwise well, the, the Irish would have taken over the world. Well, there's not enough of them. But there were at the time, just before the famine, the population of the, main, the two islands was roughly the same, 12 million. But we well, didn't see the Irish. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> with, there's more to it with, than just geography, but geography is a part of it, it uh, seems. India, you know. Yeah. But it's a part of it, yeah. Yeah. But it's, the Brits... It's definitely, Brits. Taking the whole, it's definitely you can talk about it... Uh, today I suppose with Americans yeah the two oceans just they've ended up being like a people apart yeah as what's said about the Israeli Jews you know mm. but the yeah the Brits the Brits and the Americans are hand in glove on this like more so than anybody else they seem to be the ones who are really pushing for this this yeah. conflict like I mean the, the origins of it just to go to that this is a Washington Times or sorry it's not Washington Times Foreign Affairs and just search for divide and conquer um, on that one um, so this is just a history of it just so people understand what was going on at the time this was some, so when Russia invaded Ukraine in March 2022 24th or 25th whatever it was in March last year less than a month later there was a kind of moment for negotiations you know after Russia declared its obvious intent to, to invade and did invade and was in Kiev they, there was a moment where there was a, a negotiations uh, meetings. You probably remember that there were there were meetings going on, and they were they were hosted by Erdogan by the by the Turks to, mm-hmm. to between Ukrainians and the Russians to say, okay, listen, do we want to do we actually want to go here? We've started, but do we want to go here, or do you? Do yeah, you wanna, do you wanna, everything's like, mobilized. Do we? Do you want to do it? And, see the, this out. and the agree, there was an agreement signed. I'll just, I'll just read from here. Despite calls by some for a negotiated settlement that would involve Ukrainian territorial concessions, Putin seemed uninterested in a compromise that would leave Ukraine as a sovereign independent state, whatever its borders. 
According to multiple former senior U.S. officials we spoke with in April 2022, Russian and Ukrainian negotiators had appeared to have tentatively agreed on the outlines of a negotiated interim settlement. Russia would withdraw to its position on February 23rd when a controlled part of the Donbass and all of Crimea and in exchange Ukraine would promise to, to not seek NATO membership and instead would receive security guarantees from a number of countries. And then it goes on to say, but as but by July, Lavrov said, you know, oh, it's that, that the geography is different. You know, it's 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 not just our deal. The deal that we offered, basically, where we would retreat to just part of Donbass to secure the, the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republics and keep Crimea, and the rest of Ukraine can be sovereign. Uh, that's not not possible anymore. But that's kind of jumping ahead because um, this is from an unimpeachable source, at least from the point of view of it being accused of being Russian propaganda. Um, this is from Pravda, pravda.com.ua, so Ukrainian Pravda. And on that one, if you just search for as soon as the... So this is referring to what we just talked about, these negotiations in April 2023, about, you know, a settlement that we just mentioned. As soon as Ukrainian negotiators and Abramovich and Medinsky following the outcome of Istanbul, so it was Istanbul where it was kind of hosted, had agreed on the structure of a future possible agreement in general terms, which we just mentioned, Donbass, Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republic and Crimea kept by Russia, and the rest of Ukraine, which is the vast majority of Ukraine, would be Ukrainian, but sovereign and independent. And there was all sorts of stipulations about the amount of the military they would have. There was, they were allowed to, it was, the agreement was no more than 250,000 uh, personnel in the military, uh, and a list of all the different tanks and all that kind of stuff. You know, basically neutrality, right? And but Ukraine gets to be a country and doesn't doesn't have a war, right? But as soon as that uh, had been agreed on and it was signed by the Ukrainians, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson appeared in Kiev almost without warning. Johnson brought two simple messages to Kiev. The first is that Putin is a war criminal. He should be pressured, not negotiated with. And the second is that even if Ukraine is ready to sign some agreements on guarantees with Putin, they, the Brits, are not. Yeah. <laughs> we can sign an agreement with you, Ukraine, but not with him. So that's bizarre. A- you have a country anyway, who's about to, has been invaded. Yeah. War, total war hasn't started. You have an opportunity to, to prevent it. A delegation from the Ukrainian government meets with the Russians. They... They, sh- they they come up with a, a terms of an agreement. That was in Belarus. Yeah. And Go- Gomez or something. Yeah, there was a few, but it was, uh, it was, uh, there was Istanbul around the Istanbul same time. came later, and Putin talks about it yeah. next. Yeah. I want to show that next. Um, but the, the Brits come in and say, you're not allowed to do that. Like, the Brits actually say, Putin, like quoted here anyway, Boris Johnson is saying, you can sign the agreement, but we won't. And it's like, what are you talking about? There's an agreement between two parties. What do you mean you won't sign it? What the hell are you talking about? You're not, you're not, your name isn't going to be on it anyway. Because Ukraine was already a zombie state. Right, exactly. It was entirely beholden to right. British-American interests at that point. They, they could have at any point said, okay, look, it's basically funny money keeping this country apart. This is how bad it was. The, the wages and pensions came from the IMF. Funny money loans. There, there, there was no Ukraine anymore. It was yeah. already a, so. Right. Zelensky had 
Probably no choice. Yeah, we had no choice but to sacrifice, but to, to do what Boris Johnson wanted to do, which was, you know, re- allow, you know, provoke the Russians or tell them renege on any agreement, say, say no deal, sorry, no deal, sorry Putin, no deal. The Brits don't agree with you and the Americans don't agree with Zelensky, you know, signing any agreements to prevent the destruction of his country and the deaths of 400,000, 500,000 um, Ukrainian soldiers plus a significant number of civilians, we don't agree with you doing with you trying to prevent that. We, we want you to continue. We need you to continue on. You need to fight Russia for us. You need to sacrifice 500,000 Ukrainian soldiers uh, for no apparent benefit. Well, In fact, to, to, to get Putin... What do you mean? And, and then you don't get this is this is this is the same this is the him. same uh, this is the same this is the if if war is politics by other means or extended you know out mm-hmm. where it goes to well what they're doing to Trump now domestically this is what they're doing to Putin via Ukraine except they're not it's the same warfare it's the same it's just it's it's amplified way out it's where it goes when it goes beyond just. Trying to like he said, Putin's a war criminal. That's just it, bullshit rhetoric. Like. Bullshit rhetoric. But he would, uh, in the ideal world, <clears throat> Trump, Putin would be there'd be some contrived conspiracy out of Russia Gate inside Moscow. Putin would be brought to the Hague. They've said this since. This is what they'd like to see, and then he'd be done for war crimes. They'd like to see it, but do they believe that it will happen? I know. Of course, it's, it's insane. Do, do they even believe outside that the happen? West? This, this is this is fantasy. I'll tell you the reason. But inside the West, it's realistic. I'll tell you the, real re- the real reason they did it was because they wanted to make money. That's all it is. They take all the inflated rhetoric about you know protecting Ukraine and defending Europe and stopping Putin and Putin's a war criminal and blah 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 blah. They say all that, but I don't believe any of them actually believe it. The ones who are actually making the decisions. And the only reason they're pu- they have pushed Ukraine into this conflict is because they, in the West, in Western Europe, Europe and particularly in America, are making money from it. That's all. Right. It's not to get Putin, not to save democracy, it's not to protect Ukraine. It's to make money. If you, when things, when the, when the, when the, when the details and the complexities of war are just, you know, beyond your can, they're too hard to figure out. Uh, you're never going to be far wrong if you just settle on the idea that this is all just about making money. Because that's ultimately what happens. That's that's the only thing. And bizarrely, in in the same in the same process of war in Ukraine, the European economies are slowly being destroyed. It's very hard to get your head around. <laughs> it's very hard for anybody to. Who's uh, making money there then? Huh? Well, defence contractors and politicians. Okay. And vulture capitalists, people who are, are buying up parts of Ukraine and to whatever extent they can. But I don't even know. I mean, even that starts to break down and you may have to just settle on the idea that these people are just bent on destruction. And not just in Ukraine, but they apparently want to destroy someone. Someone wants to destroy Europe as well. And America, like we just talked about at the beginning of the show. Yeah. If, if you push far enough into it, you see that that is where it's going. Destruction and have, for destruction's sake. I well, don't see him making money then <coughs> being the... Well, in the process, you can make a lot of money. Yeah. Because corruption goes that through the... That can grease corruption. the wheels. Corruption goes through the roof. That greases the wheels of... Pocket. Yeah. That's how Boris and others go along with it. Yeah. But that behind it, it's like you're, you're wrecking your own... Yeah, and they don't but care. They're wrecking Ukraine. 
Well, they're wrecking, what they're wrecking, uh, in the process, they're wrecking European economies. They're deindustrializing Ukraine. Or sorry, uh, Europe, European economies. Slowly but surely, you know. Um, of course, people ultimately, the ordinary people of those, of those countries are the ones who suffer. But if you push into it far enough, you realize that, 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 that the end result of this is going to be destruction, not of your enemy, but of your own countries and own populations in one way or another. And then you have to decide, is, is that because intentional? They want to do that, or they're just so off the leash that they don't know that they're doing that. That's the only thing you can never say for sure. But when you see it, the end result, I mean, we've seen it like in, in Europe, like we talk about the, the current ongoing deindustrialization of, of, of Germany, uh, inflation through the roof. I mean, it's, it's, this is not good for local economies in Europe. They're all suffering much more than Russia's suffering. Did they not know that? Did European heads of state not know that, or do they think that's just a temporary thing and we can, it'll, it'll be fine afterwards? It's hard to get into their yeah. heads to, to even know if they have a broader conception of it, a big picture conception of it, of, of, of the whole scenario, and they have a plan going forward, like a, the big picture plan, or if they're just living in the moment and just they're kind of off the leash and they don't know what they're doing. You know, they're just reacting in the moment. They just, they're on a train, they've set on a course, and they're just going to follow it through regardless. They're, they're, they're in denial, basically. <clears throat> it's hard to know. Yeah. And it's very complicated to try and figure it out, you know. Okay, so uh, immediately after his St. <clears throat> Petersburg speech, um, Putin met with delegations from Africa, including mm. the president of South Africa, who uh, had quite a time in Kiev and Poland on his way there. If we can talk about that if you want. But I want to talk about something related to Boris coming in and saying no, 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 and nixing that peace deal um, that was in April 2022 I think this is a couple of months later so this is Putin speaking uh, the press were allowed to hear this go ahead and <clears throat> play that <clears throat> того же президента Эрдогана, как вы знаете, в Турции проходили, прошла целая серия переговоров между Россией и, и Украиной по выработке и мер доверия, о которых вы сказали, и по подготовке самого текста договора. Этот договор, мы не договаривались с украинской стороной, что он будет носить конфиденциальный характер. Но мы никогда его не предъявляли, не, не, не комментировали. Этот проект этого договора был парафирован руководителем переговорной группы из Киева. Он поставил там свою подпись. Вот он. Он есть. Он так и называется. Договор о постоянном нейтралитете и гарантиях безопасности Украины. Именно о гарантиях, о которых вы сказали, уважаемый друг президент Южноафриканской Республики. 18 статей. Более того, к нему есть еще и приложение. Они, знаете, сейчас даже не буду об этом говорить. Они касаются и вооруженных сил, и касаются других вещей. Все прописано до единиц боевой техники и до личного состава вооруженных сил. Вот этот документ. 
он парафирован киевской делегацией. Подпись стоит. Но после того, как мы, как и обещали, отвели войска от Киева, киевские власти, как обычно, делают их хозяева, выбросили это все на свалку и They threw it away because they were told to by Boris Johnson and, and people and, 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 and Biden. You know, they were told what to do. Uh, but that, that, that no, I think this is separate. This, this is the Istanbul negotiations, the one where Boris comes in in April. That's mm-hmm. the negotiation where they were sending helicopters up to southern to Belarus, Gostomel, um, after which one of the members of that team was found right. dead, shot in the head. He'd been executed yeah. back in Kiev. But this was later. This was, do you remember the withdrawal of the Russian forces from Kiev? Yeah. They had surrounded it, you know, long trains of convoys. That, that was early in the conflict. I think he, he talks about it there. I, I think oh. he's saying that that's why we withdrew. It was part of this. Yeah, exactly. But that was, that was in April. Um, okay. I'm not sure of the timeline, but that's... Anyway, I think we just heard for the first time basically why they were from Kiev. Yeah, the whole Western payment. bullshit that, that... Oh, that's because the Ukrainians kicked them out and yeah. stuff like that. Well, we were left guessing. Scott Ritter was guessing that that, that was a movement around Kiev was a fake. A faint. A faint. Um, whereas, in fact, trusting Britain's words here, they withdrew because there were, a deal was underway and then they immediately renegade on it. So I think that was... I think that's afterwards because the other one that Boris Johnson nicks is where everything's mobilized, but nothing's actually really happened yet. That was, in, but that was in April as well. The war had been going on okay. six weeks. Uh, okay, it was April as well. Kiev offensive. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was early on. That was the whole thing, you know. Three days they were going to take they were going to take Kiev in three days and all that kind of stuff. Um, okay, so maybe that's one of the same thing. Boris Johnson arrives unexpectedly in Kiev. No, 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 don't do this. Yeah, and he oh, he must. Yeah, of course that makes sense because he would only arrive in Kiev after the Russians course, had left. Of course, it was too dangerous to go in before. Yeah, that. and it was by July and that other the July show, in July were. were where Lavrov said, like, listen, that's all done now. So a few, a, a, three more months had passed, imagine, um, well, two more months had passed, maybe two or three more months un, until July, when Lavrov said, like, listen, this is done now. It's, it's no longer what we offered before in April, which was the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republic in Crimea for sovereignty over the rest of Ukraine, for Kiev, and that's the end, no more conflict. That's not on the table anymore, because they threw it in the dustbin. Um, and um, And now it's... Uh, Zaporizhia um, and the other three um, Kherson, Zaporizhia uh, Donetsk um, what were the other two? Uh, just, just the two Kherson and uh, Zaporizhia, Zaporizhia yeah Plus it's, it's those two as well now basically um, and that was July you know so at that point it was done it seemed like there was only one oppor- one real primary opportunity where an agreement was actually signed by the Kiev authorities Uh, the Kiev delegation in in April, and it was it makes sense, you know. Russia had declared its intent, it had moved in, it had shown what it was intending to do, and it gave an opportunity to say, "Listen, do you want to do this or not?" And and there was a there was doubt, obviously, in in, in Kiev, and they decided to um, decided to come to the table and talk, 
and they had actually agreed on that as a as a, as a as a resolution of the conflict that there would be no conflict effectively whatever had gone on up until up until April so not even a, it was only a month in whatever had gone on up to then would have been the would have been the end of it and Russia would have been happy to just stay with Donetsk and Luhansk and Crimea as long as they fulfilled the obligations within the treaty that they actually signed which was kind of self demilitarization to limit the number Limited of forces, number of forces specified number, in this. number of equipment. Uh, they would be given security guarantees by various different countries, obviously including Russia, probably primarily Russia. So, it, I mean, it, it didn't sound good. It might not have sounded very good to Ukraine, but at least they would have had independence. It would have been putting it back to pre-2014, pre-Maidan. The yeah. status quo there under, under Yanukovych, which was that Ukraine was mostly... a. Uh, you know, friendly, naturally friendly, historically to Russia with connections, uh, uh, you know, pop- ethnic, social connections and cultural connections and business connections with Russia going back many decades and just keep Ukraine as this kind of non-aligned, in that sense, non-aligned state, N- militarily non-aligned. Obviously, it would have been far better than what they have now and what they're going to get, which is much, much worse. But, and Kiev, obviously, some seeing heads in Kiev said, okay, that sounds based on what we imagine might happen if we go to war with, 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 with Russia, probably what you're offering and what we've signed is a better, better deal. But the West had different ideas. The West had the idea that you know, Ukraine was going to sacrifice hundreds of thousands of soldiers, uh, many towns, and maybe a large part of its territory. For what? To sell weapons? Yeah, that's one, one, one of the factors anyway, was to, listen, there's not... Bojo and Biden... And a few of the others, were, but primarily Bojo and Biden, basically the, the British deep state and the American deep state said, listen, there's a golden opportunity for here to empty our stockpiles of old weapons and, um, you know, give Russia a problem. But really not, like, in that sense, you know. Um, impose sanctions, steal, their, steal, their, steal Russian, <coughs> Russian reserves, 300 million, supposedly. Billion. Sorry, 300 billion. You know? That factor of just personal profit, for me, always looms large in these conflicts, you know, in terms of the decision-making of the people who aren't directly involved in the conflict, who are just supplying the weapons for it. So, yeah, sad story. Can you imagine, during any of their wars, them hosting a delegation of six or ten African leaders? That's a signal. That's that's more than taking just the, taking them seriously. Like come to Washington or London, <clears throat> and at least going through the the show of yes, yes. Get, let's sit around a round table, what and, you, and you you give me your concern and give me your ideas. I, I'm interested. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah. George Bush, Boris Johnson, mm. even just going? Putin didn't just like do it for show. He used the opportunity to produce the document, mm-hmm. and they see them there with their open mouths, like, all like shaking their heads. "Oh, or right! Their There's heads. no way you can't negotiate with Kiev, right?" Because okay. they're controlled by the West, <laughs> and those people know very well. Most of those African leaders know oh, very yeah, they well what he's talking about in terms of the no, but they know very well in terms of their own experiences of them and their predecessors of interactions with Western powers, with America and and uh, and the UK. You know. Or France. Yeah. Um, Lavrov never misses an opportunity to, to to frame it as you just did, Anglo-Saxon. 
and obviously that's not used as an ethnic slur or it's, it's not even very specific. It obviously means something specific to him. Here's the RT right above it. I guess he said it at the St. Petersburg Forum. Um, <clears throat> the, quote, the world will be different, end quote, when the Ukraine conflict ends. Oh, is this the lack of the right one? Um, is it in there? Um, Russia will trust nobody else to guarantee its security once the goals of the special military operation have been achieved. I thought I had a different headline where he's like, Anglo-Saxons control the West. Well, that's interesting. By the time the conflict in Ukraine is resolved, Kiev will have accepted the loss of its former territories, whatever they are, and Western-led globalization will be dead. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, okay, I'll go to a more general point. Between him and Putin at this conference, do, does, does their supreme confidence not strike you as like, it just it just stands out. I mean, it's it's such a contrast to like the Western. Obviously, the Western reporting is shite on the war. It has been since the very beginning. You know, Putin's sick. Putin's dying. Putin's about to be assassinated. Putin's about to be over there. Blah blah. blah. Yeah. And, you know, we expect them to hype that up, but the contrast with the reality of him calm as a cucumber, saying that like Lavrov, the world will be different. Um. Putin says that in his speech they wouldn't talk to us then. Well, they will after when this is over. They being you know the Western powers. Mm-hmm. Um, the ugly neo-colonial system is dead. Um, in his speech, Putin said, uh, "You know, he it's not an ideological position per se it's because factual. Putin Putin isn't like willing a new world into being. He's like." so confident that this is going to go their way because he has the correct objective assessment of reality. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Now, in the West, that's it comes across, it's so jarring to people, to Westerners, that they go, he really is like a crazy kind of mastermind, like a, a, a meta-arch-villain psycho character, you know, really, because the way he's helping to bring about his ideological view of how the world ought to be is through sheer force of will. Mm. And he's got supporters, and some of them are here in our midst in the West, and they're crazy kooks. Jesus Christ, his cult of personality is spreading everywhere. I was talking to my neighbor down the road yesterday, and he, he referred obliquely, and I got the sense from him that he supports Putin. And, oh my God, it's everywhere, you know? <laughs> it, it, the, the psychological effect is happening on Westerners, Mm-hmm. And I use that term not so much as simply an individual who lives in, quote, the West, but believers, mm-hmm. subconscious passive believers in, like the goldfish in the, in, the, in, the, in the water bowl who are like, what water? You know, they're steeped in the ideology mm-hmm. and in the beliefs of the media. Um, they must hear Putin's and watch his manner and his calm certainty that the world is changing, that the, in fact the old order is dead. It's mm-hmm. already, he's declared dead, you know. And they must think like... He's crazy. He's crazy. But they see it happening and they get more and more anxious as they see pieces being put in place uh, that point to actually going in that direction. They can't see it. I mean, you have to allow for for just self-delusion being being, yeah. being very strong in, in this situation where 
um, the, the Americans, the West believes that it can continue on forever, that the band's going to make it, you know, it's going to somehow, somehow, so, somehow, some way it's going to, uh, they're going to prevail, you know, and it won't all collapse. But, I mean, look at, uh, I mean, this is only a small point, but um, this is crazy. You know, you talk about, you know, the gas was a problem last year, gas prices, particularly after Nord Stream and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then the effect that has an industry, and um, pretty German industry, but European industry uh, and global industry, um, and then it all calmed down because they stockpiled gas and all that kind of stuff. This is um, futures for gas. Um, look at the difference, and this is it's, look at the end of the graph. They're inside a month. Inside a month, they went from less than forty to more than one hundred and thirty in less than a month. The price of gas. And, that, and then the graph itself shows the kind of volatility in the market from month to month type thing. You know? Yeah. That in previous years, that that those those that you rarely see a graph like that. You know what I mean? Over over a year, like you know what I mean? It's very stable. You know, the gas prices are stable, but that volatility suggests that there's been permanent damage in that sense too. There, there, you know, they talk about the market sentiment. The yeah. market is spooked type thing. Well, it's it's no less spooked. Doesn't matter how much reserves or how much. Um, Reserves you stockpile, you know what I mean, and you fill up your your tanks basically in different European countries in pre- preparation for winter. The market seems to think that this is not going away and that it's coming back. It's 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 gone into a terminal decline basically in that sense, where it's always going to be all over the place, and any little thing can cause massive spikes in prices of energy prices basically because they also, I suppose, they're informed and they see or they feel or whatever that um, there's big changes coming up, and it's this isn't just a blip. This Ukraine conflict isn't isn't a blip. This this Ukraine conflict is a a sea change in the global order, and with that comes a massive amount of chaos, mainly because of the reaction of the West, because they won't accept the change towards a multipolar world. They're going to fight it all the way. They're going to blow shit up all over the place. Yeah, um, Putin said in his speech that you know uh, he was certain that this is going to come to pass. He said that this will be turbulent. But um, I haven't. I didn't actually find it in the English language translation. So somebody else claims that this was a clip. Maybe it's because it wasn't actually in his formal speech, but it was in the Q and A afterwards. Which are, with Putin, they're always extensive, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is apparently a quote from him at some point in the event in Petersburg. Quote, we will not persuade the West to a multipolar world. A multipolar world is already a non-Western world. This is no longer the world in which the West rules. Its establishment will require a long confrontation and a lot of perseverance so that the West in deeds and not in words comes to terms with this historically new reality for Mm -hmm. it. The only time I've ever heard something like that was from yourself. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Joe Quinn. No less. A well, year ago, you, I was, you were trying to calm me down and explain, like, I was like, but they, they keep saying it's existential, and NATO's going full black. It's going to be nuclear holocaust, you know, because the two things cannot mutually coexist on this planet. And you're like, they're going to come around. They're going to, you said something like that, they're going to come around and their, their actions are going to, they're going to have to fit. For example, um, there's a mad... A gas rush or diesel fuel rush for Europe, demand is just 
the same as it ever was and supply also is the same as it ever was but mm-hmm. it's not directly allowed to come from Russia instead it's been coming through India yeah. and Morocco yeah. and Saudi Arabia yeah. so Egypt it, that's an adaptation it's, it's a shitty one but we'll get there eventually it's an adaptation to the new reality that has had the result because it's going through other parties or the volumes are increasing whether it's one or the other <clears throat> of increasing versus Income mm-hmm. and bringing other from co- bring, Russia's grow, economy is growing because bringing other countries into into the benefiting other countries economically, which is part of the multipolar world, which is multipolar world concept as espoused by Putin and and G. That everybody gets a bigger share of the pie, everybody cooperates and gets more money. You, so the Europeans cut off their nose to spite their face and stop buying Russian gas and oil, right? But they don't because they need it. You can't just stop. I, I can't just stop buying like uh, you know fuel for my car because I can't drive anywhere. I need it. I, I may not like the, the local gas station, but I'll get it from somewhere else. Putin says, "Okay, you don't want to buy it from us? That's fine. We'll sell it to Egypt or Morocco or India or any other con- bunch of other countries we do deals with. We'll sell our gas and oil to them, and you buy it from them. And they will now act as a middleman, and they'll get money, and we're willing to take that because we'll sell it because." We'll just add on the price for you. It'll cost you more than buying it from us directly. But apparently, because of your ideology, you're willing to pay more money to buy, quote-unquote, non-Russian gas, simply because it's been sent from Russia to Morocco. Morocco stamps it as Moroccan gas and then sends it to uh, Europe. And you're willing to pay that extra price. That's great because you know that extra price you're paying? That's going to Morocco and Egypt and other countries. And that's part of our plan, which is to benefit other countries and become partners with other countries in, in a new global scheme. And so... Yeah. But, but it's kind of like they set themselves up as we're not going to buy Russian gas anymore. Oh, yeah, where are you going to get it from? Yeah, really? Are you going to starve? You're going to starve yourselves and your population. Is that what you're going to do? Yeah, yeah, we will because democracy. <laughs> because democracy. And it's like that it's, quote is just so that the West, in deeds and not in words, comes to terms with this historically new reality. They're like petulant. They are going to be dragged into this. They're like petulant one children. way or the other. You know what it's like? It's but like, it's they like, might cause a lot of pain in the meantime. Yeah. They're like petulant children. It's like it's like when, when kids don't want to go to bed, you know, uh, and they keep resisting going to bed, you give them a choice, you know, uh, or if they don't want to put on their pajamas, you know, uh, and they resist you and scr- kick and scream. Um, and you say, well, okay, listen, I'll give you a choice then. You don't have to do it, right, but I'll give you a choice. I'm not telling you you have to go now. Uh, get your pajamas on now, but I'll give you a choice. You can have the blue ones or the red ones. <laughs> you choose. Or you can go to bed Okay, you don't have to go to bed now, but it's either going to be in five minutes or ten minutes. So you have the choice. Well, all right then. As long as I have the choice, that's fine. I'll do ten minutes. Okay, yeah. fine. Let's do ten minutes. It's almost like, you know, yeah, like dealing with children, which I think in a certain sense has come through Russian statements on that. You know, they're dealing with, or, or not statements so much, dangerous but their actions. Children, but yeah, children. dangerous, but treat them from that psychological point of view, you know. Um, one one thing just to throw in here, just in terms of what we were talking about before, is this. I just saw this. Um, it's Visegrad, which is like a collator of news about Eastern Europe and stuff. And they're very pro-Ukrainian, but... It's just uh, a formal NAFO. But check it out, just the text. It's, it's a video. You don't necessarily need to play the video. It's just troops and planes and stuff. But more beautiful footage of the cross-border action of the Russian Volunteer Corps the Polish Volunteer Corps and the Freedom of, Russia, Freedom of Russia Legion, Freedom of Russia Legion, into the Belgorod region. We were talking about earlier on these incursions into Russia by these groups of mm. 
proxy war groups who are like, no, Kiev doesn't know them, we don't supply them, Poland doesn't supply them, but they're called the Polish Volunteer Corps. So uh, where are they getting the weapons from? They're, they're driving Humvees and Max Pros and using, you know, uh, American-made artillery to shell Russian villages, but they're just doing it all by themselves and they call themselves the Polish Volunteer Corps. They push that too far, you know. I mean, I mean, it's proxy war where it's it's deniability, right? But if if you're going to use mercenaries that are just irregular members of your military of the Polish military, let's say, but they're just mercenaries, you should tell them not to use the word Polish Volunteer Corps. <laughs> you make something they, they can be the handle uh, private military com- company or something, or yeah. use some other orchestra uh, taking off Wagner, you know, the Tchaikovsky. Private military company <laughs> from Poland. Oh, not from Poland. I mean, from we're international. Yeah, <clears throat> well, we're, the, the overwhelming. They've been trying to pass them off as Russians, that they're Russian freedom fighters. Yes, of course. Of course. What they all have in common is they're Nazis. And where they, they all this live. is exactly what Germany did. They raised right. Russian and other Polish Nazi corps. Yeah, when they steamrolled across Eastern Europe. But just because they don't have the insignia doesn't mean they're any less a member of your military apparatus. You know? But even their insignia, you see the one that was chosen for the Russian Freedom Legion or whatever? Mm. I mean, it's just basically basically the same as the Azov. It's got right. the hint of the SS in it. Mm. But anyway, so yeah, it's all kind of up in the air and a bit chaotic, but there's a wild card. If it all goes south, there's a wild card. And according to this dude, it may be coming this summer. I don't think it is, but he's his name is Stephen Bassett. You can just play it there. It's only fifty seconds. It was on. Um, I don't know what TRT World is. Anyway, some TV show. It's a uh, Turkish English language news site. There you go, Turkish English language. Just quickly, if the government is trying to cover everything up and has been uh, heading a disinformation campaign for many, many years, why did they give him authority to talk about it now? Yes. The, the, the truth embargo, as I call it, it's not a cover-up, it's a truth embargo. It's essentially over. The stigma is gone. The media is, is, is producing thousands of articles. There's been legislation three consecutive years. The truth embargo on the ET presence is essentially coming to an end. I expect hearings very soon, and I expect the President of the United States to confirm to uh, the American people and the world that we are engaged with non-human intelligence or extraterrestrials, whatever you want to call them. That should happen this summer. David Grush has played a role. He got out ahead of things a little bit. Right. It's concerned for his safety. I don't have a problem with that. President of America is going to... Uh, you're going to have to repeat that. The President of America... I know it's very low. The President of America... This He expects the President of America this summer to declare to the world about the presence of extraterrestrial intelligence on the planet. So there you go. Will that make everything else go away? I don't know. That's a big question for me. If some kind of a... You talk about multipolarity being a paradigm shift, yeah. or, peop- or people uh, you realizing that the government is corrupt being a paradigm shift. Well, there's, there's another part. There's a third paradigm shift. Uh, so they might play here. the ET card and say, "Well, look what we got. We got aliens." What do you think about that? What about your multipolar world now? <laughs> it's not only this world. You know, it's a multipolar galaxy. You're going to have to incorporate uh, us all into Putin. Have you seen that graphic? Talk to the aliens. Have you seen that graphic of them? It's like UFO sightings or reports or whatever from 1950 to present. 
It's a world map, and it basically it lights up mm. from dark to bright white, depending on the concentrations of them. And it's basically just the United States. I mean, it stops at the Canadian border, and right. it stops at the Mexican border, and Britain, and maybe like the Netherlands, Flanders, you know, yeah. and Southeast UK particularly, which is super interesting to me, uh, which I'll say to in another reason in a minute. It's the southeast of England and an, uh, an area of that far northwestern Europe. Anyway, and people are sharing that and going, like, clearly this is like a mental phenomenon of particular Westerners, Anglo-Saxons, as Lava might point out. You can see why it's tempting to go there because it's like, okay, so they're so fucking brainwashed about all these topics. They're so vaccinated. They're so immersed in Wi-Fi. They're so eating such shit food or whatever it is like that. You know, it's a con combination of toxic factors of life under pathocracy ruled by psychos, right? That this is a consequence. They're going, the population is going schizo and they're seeing shit. Right. That is, I, I, that's a very materialist interpretation, but I have sympathy for it because you look at that and go, it does literally stop at certain borders. Yeah, but is it is that a true reflection the of the actual... The thing is, is you can look at that telescope one way and then turn around and look at the other way. Or is it that there's a real phenomenon and it is concentrating itself on the body politics of certain, well, global hegemons and instrumentalizing itself through them? Is their behavior as dominator types on the world mm -hmm. who come into Ukraine and say, you can't have a peace deal with Russia. We don't agree with it. Is their, their, their psychological are their principles informed their by or their, their secret masters up and above and working through them? Or, yeah, exactly. Their psychological profile matches with the psychological profile of aliens. If there are any such aliens, that's, that's my takeaway is that, um, I mean, just taking that map of them being predominantly in the US and the UK, um, UFO sightings, I would just say that that suggests that in the event that there's any such alien presences announced as being true and factual on the planet, then that means that, and the fact that they have spent all these years since 1940 concentrating their efforts and their interactions with people and governments, I suppose, in America and the UK, then that suggests to me that the psychological profile of the political leaders in the UK and the US match with the psychological profile of the aliens, which means I'll be giving the aliens a wide berth if they ever show up. It's a scary or I'll, thought. I'll be trolling them on Twitter in the same way I troll Bojo like and stuff. Boris Johnson with zero point energy. I mean... I can't wait to troll the aliens. I want the aliens to come for only one reason. So that they have... And I want the, Well, there's a caveat. If they're going to announce their presence or Biden's going to announce their presence uh, and it's, it's, it's a reality, they need to have Twitter... Twitter accounts because <laughs> I want to troll them because I've got a lot of information going back years a lot of questions I want to ask and they don't, like, they don't reflect very well on the aliens on, on the, because if there's, an, if there's an alien presence declared on the earth now if it's, a, if it's a reality then all of the allegations going back can be taken can be seen as at least po possibly true all the UFO reports all the UFO interactions all the stuff and if you're if you're if you're familiar with that literature and stuff there's a lot of difficult questions. Those what areas. would you ask them about missing well, children? Yeah, what about all those missing 411 children? Like, where'd they all go, you know? And um, what about cattle mutilations? And um, uh, there's a lot of other stuff, you know. What about Mothman? What about Mothman? Are you going to do... Do you know the Mothman? Is he a friend of yours? You know, he freaked out people in, uh, in, in Point Pleasant. Um, 
you know, it wasn't. It's not good. Their history isn't. Their history, the history of their interaction, if it's proven to be true, on this planet hasn't been a positive one. You know, so they're going to have to give an account of themselves on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> their feet are going to be held to the fire. Their, their lizard, who, their, their scaly, their scaly lizard feet are going to be held to the fire <laughs> by Joe By well, I hope by everybody. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who 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 is that guy saying that Joe Biden's going to announce on the White House lawn yeah, this his, his summer? Uh, Bassett? Stephen Bassett. The yeah. other guy I recognise, he's a British... That's Nick Pope. Yeah. He's a long-term former MOD ufologist. in the UK, ufologist, was an MOD in the UK, and then went out and he's been making a... For quite a long time, he's been on about it. That guy, uh, Stephen Bassett, is part of the Paradigm Research Group. Um, is he... The, I think he's the executive director. Um, it would be such an American thing to do, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, he, they did COVID. Ukraine's not working out. They did the global war on terror. As Donald Rumsfeld would say, you know, when the chips are down, go massive. Yeah. <laughs> so what would the next thing to do would be? Just go aliens. To, go go to that link, Scotty, and just click on top left. See about about PRG and uh, executive director. Oh, that rings a bell. Seems it's the Paradigm Research Bassett. Group, again, again, Paradigm. Stephen Bassett is a political activist. He made history in '96 when he registered to lobby the U.S. government regarding its policy of withholding from the American people the truth of an extraterrestrial presence engaging in the human race. It was the first such registration and immediately caught attention of the Washington Post. Over the past 25 years, Bassett has helped shape the language and chart the course of a major political movement. He has lectured around the world and given over 1,200 radio and blah, blah, blah television interviews. About the implications of disclosure, the formal confirmation by heads of state of an extraterrestrial presence. His advocacy work has been extensively covered by news media such as CNN, Fox News, ABC, blah, 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 blah. Washington Post, New York Times, blah, 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 blah. He's written, uh, so he does all sorts of conferences, exopolitical conferences, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's got a long, so he's, long he's, bio there. he's willing disclosure. He's, he's been doing it for a long time and he's... He wants to call down the eschaton. Yeah, uh, whether he's in the know or not, he's probably a little bit in the know. All these people are being fed information. Yeah true or false uh, to some extent but there does seem to be some a process that's gathering pace of where yeah. it goes we don't know but of, of, of aliens I mean there's no half measures it's either yes or no yeah you can't say sort of are there any uh, have, have, in, have extraterrestrial intelligence has been interacting with the human race for quite a long time Sort of. Well, it, kind of, sort of, maybe. If it's a, what do you mean? It's, a, yes it's no? a largely a paranormal phenomenon, then... No, but do nuts and bolts aliens okay. and spacecraft exist? Tic-tac UFOs, Pentagon reports, all that kind of stuff, but pilots seeing, seeing uh, stuff. Is that real? Are there other UFOs, have they been flying around our skies, and, and have they been filmed by... Uh, yes or no? They're sort of... It's so, they're kind of hybrids, you know? They're kind of... It's actually a U.S. government research project where we've been trying to augment human beings and make them better people. Better people, and we did that back in the '60s. And we developed a craft and sent them into space, and they landed on a planet, and then they colonized that planet, and now they're coming back. So they're kind of human, and they're gender queer, and yes, they're on a spectrum of they're furries. They colonized the furry planet. Um, Do you remember Macron, um, president of France? Through, no, never heard of him. Through um, uh, 
I don't know what you call it, was it uh, soon after his first election, there was a party at the Elysee and there was a bunch of black guys mm. and girls. Um, well, Biden did one better at the White House Pride event last week. Mm. Um, Jesus Christ. Now, in fairness, they since, since the controversy, they've uh, said, yeah, we don't approve of that. There were some transgender activists who yeah. went topless, shock, outrage, pearl clutching. Um, I don't know if this is related, but th- that man is one odd duck. Was he re- was he referring to it? I can't remember what he was what he was talking about. But he ended, he finished a speech, maybe at that pride event with "God Save the Queen," man. Mm. The queen, I, I, like Yas Queen, or whatever. They yeah, about. maybe he wasn't thinking it wasn't God save to the do queens? with Queen Elizabeth because people were like, "Duh, she died." Yeah, but God save the Queen, man. God save the drag queen. Maybe. Meanwhile, in Russia, um, again, the contrast of two is it all just about money? Um, well, money, money, you know fanaticism about getting money is indicative of a certain mindset that has other manifestations. Uh, RT reports Putin orders <laughs> I think the way they wrote it was <laughs> that's not what the URL says. Anyway, Putin orders study of gays. That sounds <laughs> that doesn't sound too good. But specifically, Russia is set to create a new psychiatric institute dedicated to studying, among other things, the behavior of LGBTQ people as well as issues dealing with gender roles and identity. Hmm. I mean, that right there is just like a red flag. Mm-hmm. It's just a contrast. It's like, because you're immediately saying, this is, we're looking at this from a psychiatric point of view. Yes. Not like, like from, a, let's get all the kids in here and, you know. Have, have, yeah. yeah. And yeah, have fun and dance around in uh, lingerie. Have men dance around in lingerie and read books to kids. No, it's treating it's smacks of treating it like a, a scientific experiment, not a scientific study. You know, let's put them under the microscope type. And appointed announced point of announcing it during at the peak of Pride Month yeah. in the United States, the White House display. Well, he's just putting he's putting his, his card out there. You know what I mean? He's putting a stall out there and just continuing to do that, just to provide an alternative. You know, for those who are interested. Anyway, it's way past time you were in your bed, Neil. No? Yeah. And that's what I thought. You're getting sleepy. Which, what color pajamas do you want to wear tonight? The blue or the red ones? <laughs> You're going to bed whether you want or not. Anyway, uh, yeah, we'll, think, uh, we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for watching. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for watching, commenting. Um, we'll be back next week with another one on whatever's been happening between now and then. So until then, have a good week. God save the drag queen, exactly. <laughs> yes, See that's the world we live in. See you, bye. Right. Can't stop the signal now.